The biggest factor that we know in longevity and health is close personal relationships. So the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. So you need connection. You need it to thrive. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to episode 179 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren, tuning in from New York, upstate New York, not the city, and I'm joined by my sister Renee. In Las Hello. Vegas. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Why do you look so tan? I think it's the lighting. Oh, give me your lighting. I'm like <laughs> dead of winter. Oh gosh. <laughs> or the makeup. Pink, some pink lighting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wish I was tan, but no, it's still cold here. So. Oh, you poor thing. Cold I, in Las I, Vegas. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's good. You get a little cold thermogenesis for a minute. Oh yeah. All right, we got a female biohacking conversation for you today. We are bringing back on to the podcast, Dr. Molly Malouf. We had her on last year. Renee, do you remember which episode number? No, but I will link to it in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that because it was a great conversation about trauma and psychedelics and a good jumpstart for this one. Amazing. So Dr. Molly is back on today to talk about her new book, The Spark Factor. She is just uh, an amazing voice and mind in the scientific space. She really has pushed forward this movement of biohacking, especially for women. And um, as a physician, she's just a wealth of knowledge and experience. Interesting though, we really kind of took a right turn in this podcast today and, and talked about something that we think is really, really pertinent, timely, and valuable uh, for us, but also for you. I think everyone needs to hear this message that she's going to share today. So we really enjoyed kind of going off the cuff and just taking this conversation where the wind blew us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, we always prep as much as we can for a podcast, but you know, sometimes the conversation just flows where it magically is supposed to go. And, you know, mm -hmm. I selfishly am always like, well, maybe what we talked about today is what I needed to hear. And yes. today was definitely the case. I love her perspective on how women need to be biohacking differently, right? We say that over and over again, but I think she has some really good like tangible ways that we should be doing that and be listening to our body, using the tech, but listening to our intuition. And just, it's always so great to chat with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the message is all caps for women, but it is also very, very valuable for men out there. This is really just like a human experience, human conversation. So we are going to point you towards her new book. It is available for pre-order and then it will be coming out at the very end of the month. We are so close to that. So get your hands on this book. We certainly are excited to do so. And this will be a nice entry point into the conversation, all that she has to offer. So if you are not familiar with Dr. Molly Maloof, let me tell you just a little bit more about her. As a physician and Stanford lecturer, Dr. Molly Maloof has spent her career providing personalized medicine services to high-performing technology executives, billionaire investors, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, and Academy Award-winning actors. 
Dr. Molly developed a science-backed program focused on mitochondrial health used successfully by her patients, which offered lifestyle changes that target the unique biology of women and provide immediate and long-term benefits. It is now available in her book, The Spark Factor. The idea is steady, gradual improvement, not perfection. The goal is to help you get your spark back so you can spend the rest of your life empowered, alive, mobile, and resilient, she writes. We are so excited for this conversation. All right, let's jump in. All right. Welcome, Dr. Molly, to the podcast, or welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, we're excited. Female biohacker conversation. Totally. It's time to drop in. Yeah, we're super excited. So awesome. all biohackers here on a very similar mission, uh, trying to change the approach to healthcare using biohacking to really personalize this journey, because I think there's just so many different directions we can go in. And as women, we have a really amazing opportunity. So we're excited to get into your approach to the mitochondria, supercharging our batteries, increasing our resilience, but I would love to kick it off. Like, how do we begin this process of finding our spark factor, especially Mm. if we're getting so far away from it and specifically as women, how do we drop in? Right. Well, what I would like to do for you to begin is kind of like frame this discussion around mitochondrial health, insulin resistance, and the biggest drivers of disease right now that we know, which is metabolism dysfunction. So basically, you know, I spent the last 10 years working on how do you optimize health systematically and then how do you measure health and then how do you improve it? And that's really what I built my career on. So I built my practice, you know, 10 years ago and then started realizing that like I was a biohacker too, not just like all these guys, but we were, I was biohacking my clients and I was biohacking myself and, um, the core sort of scientific approach to biohacking that I take is you want to take measurements and you want to have qualitative assessments. So you want to kind of like ask yourself qualitatively and quantitatively what's going on inside your body and, and then test that by, you know, coming up with uh, assessments and then plans. And that plans are sort of where you test these interventions of your assessment of what you think is going on. And then you iterate over time by seeing, okay, did that experiment work? Did that, what did I get out of this? Did I see a measurable, measurable improvement? Should I see an improvement in my, my qualitative assessments of myself too, right? So that's really a scientific method, but it's applied to the individual. It's like an N equals one approach to health. So over 10 years, I was just gathering tons of data on my clients, but something really started to emerge in that I realized that like the biggest drivers of disease are in metabolism dysfunction. And so I was putting blood sugar monitors on people and I was putting um, aura rings on people And I was seeing that there was, you know, it was like movement, sleep, stress, and nutrition and relationships, right? Which are really sort of part of the stress picture, but really the connection piece. These are the biggest drivers of disease and health. And like 80% of what you see in the hospital is preventable. And I was like, well, why? So why does sleep, why does stress, why does movement, why does metabolism, like why does food and why do relationships matter so much for our health? You know, because there's so many people saying, oh, it's all inflammation. And yes, of course, inflammation is certainly a massive driver of disease, but why do we get inflamed, right? Like what does inflammation come from? So I kept on just kind of following the the trail of these questions till I got to like a core root theory of health. And that's what I started teaching at Stanford because I was like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. I think I'm ready for education. Like for many years, I was like feeling like I was on the fringe as a doctor. I was like, I'm kind of doing things differently my way. I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of outside the box and really I realized that's what biohacking is. It's like, you're going around the system 
to get what you want to accomplish your goals. My goal was health optimization. So I had to ask myself, what is health? Health is the ability to adapt and self-manage in the face of adversity. So when you have more health, you have greater capacity to adapt and you have greater capacity to withstand anything that you get challenged by, right? And so question is, is okay, if that's the case, then what powers adaptation and what powers capacity? Like, what is that from? What is that core thing from? And I was like really scientific about it. So I went deep into the mitochondrial health research because I met a friend who was a mentor and he um, was like, look, if you want to understand health, you got to understand mitochondria. And I was like, obviously, how did I miss this? And he's like, yeah, I know everyone does. Everyone thinks it's just straight up inflammation, but it's more than that. It's like, you got to think about how does the body get these signals to become inflamed, right? So started looking at mitochondrial health and I was like, whoa, mitochondria are the power plants of the cell. We all learn that, right? The powerhouse of the cell, but it's so much more than that because they're not just taking substrate from food we eat and turning it into energy, but they're also deciding where that energy goes. And they're also, they're signal transducers. So they're, they're processing food into energy. And then they're also deciding where does the energy go to do what in the body? How does, how do you, how do you send that signal? Like, what do you do with the energy once you have it? So you got to do work in some way, right? So we do, we know what it like, what it like to go to work, but your cells have work to do too. So if you don't have enough energy in your body, your cells cannot do the work that they need to stay healthy, to actually power all the alley activities in your body. And if you're really stressed out and you get hit with a major stressor and you don't have enough energy, then you will start to break because your, your systems will break down because they don't have enough energy to run. So it's kind of like a house in a hurricane. If it gets power cut, it's not going to have the capacity to withstand the, 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 assault, the assault, right? And so you start seeing, like, if you don't have power, you can't do upgrades. If you don't have power, your, your refrigerator is going to melt. Your AC is not going to work. Your heating is not going to work. Like, stuff starts to break. So that's kind of how you see stress. Stress is like draining the batteries, draining the power supply of the house. If you're in a video game, you're a video game character, and you get hit by a major attack, you drain your energy levels, Right. So that's why stress is affects health, right? That's why stress can break a body. But the real question is, is like, how do you get the energy levels to go back up, right? Well, one of the first things you got to do is make sure that you're fueling the system properly. So what you put in your body as fuel will literally power the engines of your cells, or it's going to break those engines. So when you eat too much food, you overeat, when you eat the wrong foods, like packaged processed foods, ultra processed foods, um, standard American diet, inflammatory foods, you know, fast food, fried food, it overheats the engines and it breaks the engines. And so you, you break the power plants. You literally have the wrong fuel going in. It's, it's going to break the power plant. And that's when we start seeing a lot of inflammation, which is like overheating of an engine. That's kind of inflammation. When you see an engine running smoke off of it because it's overheating, that's oxidative stress. It's like all the gears are not moving, right? Because the, the, it's they're not properly running because the fuel is breaking the engine. So that's kind of why I see oxidative stress. It's like when you eat a ton of sugar, you get a big oxidative stress burst. That actually contributes to um, blood vessel damage. So it's like you're filling your body with pollution. That's oxidative stress. Now the question is, is what does exercise do? What is the exercise piece of this picture? Well, exercise sends a signal to the cells to make more energy. So when you when you move the car, your car runs out of fuel and that signals the body to go fill up with fuel, go make more energy, right? It also sends the signals of our cells to actually make more mitochondria because we actually have a adaptive response to our environment. If we move our body, 
our body says, oh, well, I moved my body this much today. That means tomorrow I'm going to move my body. I'm gonna need, I might need to move my body more. So I'm going to make more power. I'm going to actually produce more power so that tomorrow I can handle more. And so that's the cool thing about this thing called the adaptive capacity model. Your body creates more capacity when it has more demands when it comes to, when it comes to movement. So if you move your body too little and you sit your, if your body's sitting all day long, you're basically like sitting a car in a garage and turning it on idle. It's filling up with all that oxidative stress, right? It's filling up with all the fumes that's poisonous to the body. So we need to move our bodies to actually move toxicity through our bodies. Otherwise you've got stagnant energy, stagnant water. And it's just, believe it or not, your, um, your energy is produced on a hydrogen turbine. So literally we breathe oxygen and we burn food with oxygen, right? And then we turn that into a, a turbine powered by hydrogen, which is so cool. So we're hydrogen powered, right? This is really That's fun cool. stuff when you get into the physics. And then the last piece of this is we need to plug in, right? Like if you are by yourself all the time, you're not connected. And without connectivity, that energy is, is going to, honestly, in a lot of cases, people self-destruct. Without, without without connection, you're not plugged into a system and you're on your own. And that's the real danger of isolation is it's highly stressful for the body. And it's really, you're not getting the safety signals and you're not getting the sense of feeling like you're safe and you're connected to a community. And that actually will cause significant stress and significant health breakdown. So you actually, the biggest factor that we know in longevity and health is in happiness is close personal relationships. So the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. It's like driving a car by yourself or having a whole bunch of your friends in the car with you. Anyone who's done a solo road trip knows it's very lonely. And you know, imagine if you're on the side of a road and you, your car breaks and there's nobody around. What are you going to do? What if you need help, right? What if your phone, what if your phone runs out of batteries and you're by yourself? You're screwed. So you need connection. You need it to thrive. And that's what this book is all about. It's really about this sort of model of health. And then I go into all sorts of other facets like fertility and gut health and, and sexuality and all these other fun things. But the core premise of the book is that when you have optimal mitochondrial function, you have optimal health. Yeah. Always comes back to the mitochondria. I love that. I mean, we can look at all the systems and then the organs and then the cells, but then really the mitochondria. And mm -hmm. I love a lot of the work that Ari Witten has done on, you know, sharing this information about the cell danger response. And yes, um, I think people overlook fatigue as just like this, like annoying thing. I'm just going to over caffeinate to get myself out of it. But like, yeah, fatigue is a sign that your body is like you said, it's, it's shutting down. It's trying to preserve because yeah, it's not safe. It's not getting the nutrients it needs. So we shouldn't just be like overriding that. Yeah. And I love that you really emphasize the importance of connection and the social connection. Um, I, and fellow biohacker friend of ours, Ben Greenfield, I love that he posted this the other day, this whole thing about like, do you want to be remembered as I can't say word for word, but something like, you know, the biohacker in the corner checking all their tech, or do you want to be the one that occasionally had that glass of wine and was out socializing with friends? Right. Yeah. So I think there's this big movement of how do we combine all of this? Like we can yeah. do the biohacking and use the tech, but like we need to be connected to other human beings that we've been that way for hundreds of thousands of years. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that like almost everybody at the end of this year is like, I'm talking to everyone and everyone's like, oh my God, everyone's so tired, right? We're all so exhausted. And it's because we have never experienced this much social change all at once, I think, in the world. Like the world's going through this collective experience together. 
because we have the internet, we have technology. So there's this massive global shift happening in so many realms, in the media, in social media, in there's world, there's like wars going on in, in Russia, potentially one with China in the next few years. We've got uh, money systems changing. We've got the government, you know, power structures shifting and we have the climate changing, right? So like, this is a lot to handle. And top of the fact, we all just went through a traumatic pandemic together. So it's not surprising that people are feeling tired. But one of the things that I learned is that um, with biohacking, you can really figure out what's going on inside your body and you can course correct. So like I you know, would love to spend the rest of the next you know, month like working my tail off, but I actually am going on a vacation and I'm going to go work remotely from Puerto Rico and I'm giving myself some space to recover because I know I need this. Like I've seen my HRV and I've looked at my blood sugar and it's like, you know what? It's time to go into uh, a little bit of recovery. And recovery is a big piece of this book. Stress is a whole pillar of health in this book. And um, I didn't actually include my full HPA access dysfunction protocol because frankly, it's controversial. Like if you actually talk to Ari Witten, he'll tell you that like cortisol testing is bullshit, but I actually disagree with him a lot. Like I really do still use it clinically. I find it very useful for my clients. I have high cortisol right now. And I, I was going to include my entire protocol in the book. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the protocol on my website and I'm going to make the book as mass market as possible. But I actually, as part of the pre-sale for the book, there's um, we're going to be giving the, the HRV, the HPA access dysfunction protocol to people because personally, I think it's really important for people to get to understand what it feels like to be under a high amount of stress and have a high cortisol state versus a burnout state. I'm not burned out yet by any means, but I definitely have high cortisol. And so hmm. it's important that people understand, especially women understand that like, if you're really burned out, you don't want to be doing a lot of really intense biohacks. Like the biggest mistake I see right now is people doing cold plunges when they're burned out. And it's like, no, no, do not go do a cold plunge when your cortisol is low. It's going to drain. It actually can lower cortisol. It's like one of the benefits of cold plunging. But if your cortisol is low, you're going to lower it too much and you're going to stress your body. So that's somebody that I would recommend do, you know, just gentle sauna here and there instead of intense hit training and intense weightlifting, intensive. A lot of these intense biohacks are great, but like there's a time and a place for when you want to do different biohacks. And so in the book, I talk a lot about how if you're burned out, do not even consider fasting. Like you don't need to, you need to focus on consistent meal timing, consistent safety signaling, and sending as much recovery signals to your body as possible. But also like if you are feeling strong and, and well and powerful, you can go do a bunch of biohacks, but you got to be careful as a woman with how you biohack because your, your hormones are just more sensitive than men's to nutrient deprivation. And to um, to stress itself, because we're part, our bi- our biological imperative is to keep the tribe alive and to reproduce. And our bodies will literally turn off a lot of our hormone production by turning down our thyroid, turning down our estrogen, turning down our progesterone, if we are under too much stress, turning down our testosterone. And so I've seen um, a lot of female biohackers stop their periods, end up relative, end up with relative energy deficiency of sport. And, and they're like, and I've seen like four women now do this and I'm like, Hey, you can't go keto constantly. You can't be that underweight. You can't stop your period. You're going to affect your bone density. Like you got to ease up. You're not the same as a man. And these are all high powered, talented women. But I had to, I had to tell them, look, you got to change your lifestyle because if you don't, you know, in, and this is like in the last year, I'd say 
I've seen a lot of women go off the deep end with biohacking and then end up hurting themselves in the process. They look great on the outside, but if you look at their labs, oh my gosh, I saw this young woman's labs and it was like, I go, are you eating enough? And she's like, no, I'm really struggling with anorexia. And I was like, yeah, it shows. Your mitochondria are completely dysfunctional. They're missing all sorts of nutrients. Without enough nutrients, you're not going to thrive. And it was really breaking my heart because I don't think enough people realize that like, you know, biohacking is, is a lot of it is actually altering your metabolism and altering what you do with food. But women have a lot of problems with eating disorders to begin with. So we have to be very careful with how we biohack so we don't end up with orthorexia. So we don't end up obsessed with these numbers. And so we don't end up with, you know, eating disorders. And this is why I think women have to be a little bit more cognizant than men do. A lot of these reasons. I love that you just said all that on the air because as a female biohacker, and like I have had a long history of HP axis dysfunction. I'm a big fan of cortisol testing. My cortisol has been low multiple times, like low all day. And you know, there's a lot of pressure to, oh, did you do that 24 hour fast? Or did you, how long did you stay in the cold plunge? And like, I'm like, intuitively, I can feel my body doesn't want to do that. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And I actually just had an interesting conversation with my husband over the weekend where I think we finally have come to terms on, I can't keep up with his pace. Yeah. As a man. you shouldn't. (laughs) And I shouldn't. you. Yeah, yes, that is the, thing, the biggest guys. challenge. Like these societal structures do not support the female in listening. And biohacking over here is so exciting. It's the shiny toy, but you said it's our responsibility to protect the tribe. But how do we honor ourselves and protect and be that responsible human being to others, but first and foremost to ourselves? Yeah. I love that you mentioned the course correction, because I think our body has all of these natural healing abilities if we allow it. So sure, dipping in and out of the hormesis, the biohacking practices, but how do we pay attention to what our body naturally wants to do? And things are going to fluctuate. Like you said, you may have higher cortisol. I just spoke to a client this morning who's been doing a lot of fasting mimicking. He's like, my uric acid was so high. Well, we know that's a byproduct, but the body has these course corrections to bring us back into balance. If we can respect and honor that without just going so far down in one path, we have to keep coming back, keep coming back. What's up, biohackers? Renee here. If you are a biohacker who's looking for the newest cutting edge products to push your brain and body to the outer limits of what's possible, or maybe you're a wellness enthusiast who's looking for a mental upgrade, well, then stop what you're doing. You have to check out Newtopia. It's the most powerful nootropic company on the market today. These nootropic stacks are taking the industry by storm because they're safe, legal, and highly effective. You see, every stack was formulated by a man who's the most advanced brain chemist and nootropics formulator alive today. Uh, We actually had him on the podcast in August of last year. We call him Mr. Newts, and it was a great episode. We took a deep dive, so definitely check that one out. And even better, every formula is customized for you based on your strengths, your weaknesses, and your goals, so you get exactly what you personally need. And it's true that Elon Musk's Neuralink is still a long way off, but Newtopia stacks might be the next best thing. So taking the right formulas at the right times can help you focus intensely, block out distractions, reduce stress and anxiety, enhance your creativity. I personally love these, especially on days where I have a lot of podcasts or writing, or even if I'm going out on the weekend and I just want to have a little boost in energy so I can connect with others. There are just so many great uses for me, and I just love it so much. But you'll be amazed how quickly they work. I mean, really within 15 to 30 minutes, you'll start to feel the difference, um, and you'll start to notice those mental effects. And guess what? Here's the best part. 
These formulas come with a full one-year guarantee. So there's zero risk to you if you want to just try them out and see how it goes. So here's the deal. If you feel like you're not fully maximizing your potential, this could be personally and professionally, then you owe it to yourself to at least try Newtopia's formulas. They're, I promise you, a total game changer. All you have to do is head over to newtopia.com slash biohackerbabes and use code biohackerbabes at checkout. That'll get you 10% off your order. And that's newtopia, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. So newtopia.com slash biohackerbabes. I will put that link in the show notes for today's episode as well so it's easy for you to find. And we can't wait to hear your experience with these awesome nootropic stacks. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, you know, it's funny. I'd love to talk a little bit about uric acid because I think it's a really misunderstood biomarker. And interestingly, you know, the biggest drivers of, of, of um, uric acid are purine metabolism and then fructose consumption. So, I mean, I, I guess like an alcohol, like these three things are like pretty mm-hmm. big. It's almost like people don't realize this. It's always known as the disease of Kings gout. And, you know, when your uric acid levels are high and you have gout, you have to really look at your lifestyle and look at like, we live in a very abundant world. And so alcohol, sugar, fructose, and, you know, heavy meats, those dark, delicious dark meats and those organ meats are great, but not for everybody. And this is the beauty of nutrition. So I actually run low uric acid. My uric acid. Yeah. My uric acid runs too low. Mine too. Mine's always like right under three. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that's actually a problem too. So like, there's actually David, David Pullmutter, I brought this up with him. I'm like, David, I know you're writing a book on uric acid, but like my uric acid is too low. And I read that uric acid being too low is actually problematic in itself. And he was like, yeah, maybe. And I love him to death, but I actually, I, I've done my homework on this. And what I've discovered is that basically, um, you know, I needed more organ meats. And so I started um, consuming this fittest uh, protein powder that had like blood and bones and organs, organs in it that I didn't want to take all these supplements. I was kind of getting a little pill fatigue sure. and I started feeling so good when I was having this protein powder. And then I got someone, um, one of my friends brought over some liver. And when the first time I ate some of the raw liver, I was like, Whoa, energy levels high. Like I felt so, so important to pay attention to that. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. And so I actually needed more purines. So the cool thing about blood labs is that you can literally tailor your nutrition based on your biomarkers. And so my ferritin levels were running low this summer, way too much stress, way too much going on. My periods were too heavy. I look at my periods as a barometer of my stress levels and I was moving and I was going through some, you know, personal changes with relationships. And so I was bleeding a lot and I got my ferritin levels back and they were really low. And I was like, crap. Fortunately, one of my friends has this great company called Upgraded Formulas and um, Upgraded Minerals. And he brought me some of his brand new iron supplement, which promptly sold out like right after he launched it. But I started taking that iron and I was like, wow, I feel so much better. And like, so this is an example of like, I thrive on red meat now. Like it really works for me. But like I have friends that eat tons of red meat and they just feel like crap and they just do not thrive. And so we've got to get away from the diet wars and the diet dogmas. And it's like mm-hmm. this whole crap about people need to be carnivores and like plants are going to kill you. I'm sorry. Stop. It's absurd. Like, it's it's absurd. so dumb. And like, I write about this in my book. Like if you have autoimmunity, yes, you need to be careful with grains and beans and legumes and lectins. Yes, you do. Yes. You need to be careful about nightshades, but not everybody has autoimmunity. It's like a few, it's maybe 2% of the population or something. I don't know how exactly the number, but 
it's like, I'd have to look that up actually. How many people have autoimmunity? (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's come up a lot in the last two years too. I'm sure that statistic has grown. Yeah. It's so important to come back to the labs. Like that really is the barometer. We are, we're arguing and Renee and I as uh, practitioners, we get people asking, what am I supposed to eat? I don't know. Let's look at your physiology. Let's show like what's coming up. One in five people. This is a lot bigger than I thought. I thought it was a lot smaller. 20% of people have, but that's 20% of people who could benefit from the walls protocol from an autoimmune paleo diet, right? That's a lot of people that have autoimmunity, by the way. That's a lot. Yeah. So four fifths that do not, and should not be just ramming that protocol just because. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that, um, we have problems in our food system and we, we have to start looking at it, right? We have to start looking at the way that our food is making us feel. And I personally feel really great when I eat paleo. I mean, it works for me. It really, really does. And when I eat whole foods, I feel awesome. When I eat processed foods, I had some like torchies tacos when I first moved to Austin. When you feel really healthy and you eat garbage, you feel so inflamed. Your whole body responds. And this is a beauty of what women understand is we have this deep intuition. And you were talking about this, Renee. Like, why don't we listen to it? You know, like what is, what is, why are we letting other people tell us what to do when what we really need to do is hear what our bodies are telling us? Yeah. Yeah. So how do we... How do we do that in this yeah. crazy world? Because like I definitely have experienced that where I'm like, my body is saying that on this Saturday night to just maybe lay on the couch and watch a movie, but oh. I have plans with friends. Yeah. How, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I would say um, the one thing that's really important that everyone needs to really listen to, because we're in a triple epidemic right now, we've got major viruses going around and I've seen a ton of people get sick. So last year I was on my... I was like really tired. I had just done three conferences back to back and my body was saying, Molly, chill the fuck out. And I was like, one more conference, one more stage. It's, I'm going to be on stage with Adrian Grenier. I want to be on stage with him. He's cool. I really admire him. One more conference. And I got COVID and it was like, my gut was telling me, don't do that. Don't go. Don't go. You're going to get sick. Well, a few weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I was supposed to go to a movie premiere and I got invited to the premiere of the whale in New York. And I was like, I really want to go to this movie. It looks so good. I know the, I know the, the director, but I, my, my gut was telling me, do not go. You are going to get sick. Alarm, 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 alarm. And I had to call my friends and be like, guys, I know I'm supposed to come to New York, but like, I'm really worried I'm going to get sick if I come to this event. And my, I just listened to my body. My body said, no, do not go. Now that being said, I also know that there's a lot of people out there who make plans with friends and then like last minute we cancel. Right. And I think it's really key to like, listen into what is the voice telling you is the voice saying, if I stay in, I'm not going to get sick. I mean, if I stay in, like the reason why I need to stay in is because I feel like I am really drained or is it saying I'm in my pajamas. I don't really want to get out of them. I just want to veg out on the couch. What do I need right now? And like, I, I actually last weekend, was supposed to go out with a friend two weekends ago. And I like last minute, I'm sitting in front of my computer and I'm feeling tired. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. And he texts me. He's like, Molly, you always do this with me. He's like, you always cancel with me. And you know that it's all, you, you know, that you know, you want to come see people. You know that you've been feeling isolated lately. You literally told me this. And so I was like, you're right. I, I have been feeling isolated. I do need to see my friends. This would be a cool event. And I went and I ended up meeting so many amazing people, feeling so nourished, having this beautiful dinner, feeling so connected. I was tired. I was about to start my period. 
but I like wouldn't have met this one key contact if I had not hadn't hadn't gone. So it's key to just kind of like if one of your friends is like, hey, dude, if you cancel on me, I'm gonna be annoyed. They really care about you and they want to see you. And so really like call your friend. And I actually called my friend in New York and I was like, hey, I want to talk through this with you because here's what's going on in my body. Right now I'm feeling overwhelmed. I really feel like I need like to not do this because I feel like I'm gonna get sick. I don't know what to do. I don't want to like, I don't want to bail, but I just feel it's where I am at right now. If you call your friends and you tell them exactly how you feel, feel into like what their response is. So one of my friends was like, dude, I totally understand. Do not, do not push yourself beyond your, your means. We ended up talking for an hour and it was like beautiful. We had a great conversation. We caught up. My other friend was like, look, I'm on my way. So like you're canceling, like I'm on my way to get you. And I like went out of my way to pick you up. Like that's a different story than like, I hadn't left yet and I was about to fly to New York. So I would say like, call your friends, tell them how you feel, feel into their response and feel into your body and don't force yourself to go out of your way to go socialize when you don't really feel like you're ready for it. But if there is a sense of you're letting someone really down and like they genuinely went out of their way to hang out with you and you like feel into what that's going to do for your relationship. And so I feel like this is kind of the, this is the thing we didn't never get, we never got taught. We never got taught like, what are like, how do we actually socialize in a way that's nourishing for ourselves? How do we listen to our bodies when we need time alone? How do we really respect our friends when they like go out of the way for us? And then how do we find ways to, to like find a middle ground? Like I told my friend, look, I I will come out, but I can't stay all night. I'm going to probably have to come home early. I'm about to start my period. I'm already tired going into this. And he respected that. And at the end of the night, we got to, we went a little bit early. And so that's the way I would kind of try to feel into these situations. It's like, you have to respect your body, but also a lot of people are isolated and spending way more time alone than they've ever had. The time we've spent with people is actually going down dramatically. So it's key that we don't cancel because more isolation might end up making you feel more, more depressed and more isolated, more sad, more anxious. Sometimes we really need to push ourselves to go socialize. But if you, but if you're like me, and you're actually, you already go out a lot. You already see a lot of people. You're already doing a lot of things. Then sometimes it actually is important for you not to burn out. So kind of feel where you're at in the spectrum of like isolation to over exposure and try to find balance in the center. Yeah, I think the accountability is just the biggest piece and being very clear with your goals or your North star with the people that are around yeah. you. Like my fiance is my mirror and I've been very explicit. I'm a psychopath when I don't sleep. <laughs> I also could very easily be a hermit. So can you help me kind of yeah. navigate the balance yeah. of this? And I have been like, as you were talking about these commitments <laughs> of canceling and going, I was flooded with all these memories of like the bad choices that I made. One in particular, when I was performing in Mamma Mia on Broadway, my boyfriend at the time, his cousin is Ben Stiller and Ben Stiller was coming to the show. I had injured my ankle the day before and I refused to call out because I said, I have to be on the stage when Ben Stiller comes to see. And I'm, you know, in the back of the ensemble, no one's going to give a shit, but I was really like, I was not listening to my body in that moment. I was injured for another month because of it. Oh, and it's just so, and I didn't have that accountability system at the time for someone to say, Hey, let's like, let's think this through. So I think very clear with the people in your life as you said, to be the mirror yeah. and like you can have this relationship because that energetic flow is always going to kind of pull you back and forth. Keep that kind of seesaw. You know, I would also add the key is also honesty. So like part of me went to, I was actually with my mom in, in uh, November and I was like, mom, I don't really want to go to New York. Should I just make up an excuse? And she's like, 
no, call your friends, tell them what's going on. Do not make up an excuse. Like, fuck. Like, and I was like, why, why do we feel the need to lie to our friends mm. when what they really want is our, is our honest to God's connectedness, right? The reason why they want to spend time with us is because they want to feel connected. And yet we have this culture yeah. of let's not, let's not hurt people and let's make up something so they don't get hurt. But what hurts more is if you're not honest with people hurts yes. you and them. So it's like, I just think I learned so much in the last few weeks of just being like, I'm just going to tell my friends exactly what's going on in my body and exactly how I feel. If I'm feeling like I need to break a plan, you know, with someone and that, that I think is something that we should all be trying to strive for is like, we should all be more honest with how we feel with people. There are so many people suffering in silence, putting on a happy face, telling them, telling their friends that they're great. Mm-hmm. And like, they're not. And I've, I've seen a lot of people get like really sick in the last year. I know multiple people who've, who've killed themselves in the last year. I know multiple people who've had mental institutionalization in the last year. And these were people who were putting on a very high functioning face and they were not in the background. And so I think it's really important because biohack- a lot of people don't talk about biohacking mental health enough, but we yeah. have to start looking at our mental health just as much as our physical health because they're completely connected. And it's really, um, it's really something that I don't think is really talked about enough in the biohacking communities, because a lot of what biohacking is about is like showing how strong you are, showing how resilient you are, showing what you can handle. But actually it really shows real strength when you can be vulnerable with people that you trust. And, and like when you can open up and be like, oh my God, I'm going through this right now. I need help. You know? Yeah. Yes. The, the timing that we're recording this is interesting with, uh, was it just yesterday? I think that Twitch yeah. Yeah. committed suicide. And I think everyone is in shock because like you said, I mean, of all people to follow, like I always thought that, you know, he looks so happy when he's performing, when he's with his wife doing, you know, fairy tale Disney wedding thing. And he's dancing on the Ellen yeah. show. And like, you have to wonder like what was going on in his head. And I mean, how many other people are suffering with that? So my question to you is, if someone is struggling and feeling that way, like where do they start and how can they biohack their yeah. mental health? So one of the things that we need to understand about human behavior is a lot of people will naturally not want to share how they feel when they feel down because they don't want other people to feel that way. So it's almost like they're trying to protect you because they don't want you to feel how bad they feel. And so they're they're going to hide a lot of what hurts. And also typically the part of themselves that hurts is the part that's been traumatized and exiled, right? There's this thing called internal family systems. And I learned this from a friend of mine who's a world-class scientist. And I was like, I'd never learned about it before, but typically what parts work is about is like, it's literally the hurt parts that we push under the surface and we don't show. We don't want to show. We, we shove them under the rug. We like, do not talk, do not show up. You are not allowed here. And that's why they are so much pain because they're not allowed to let that part out to be seen. And so typically there's the firefighter that's like putting out all the fires. That's like drowning themselves in alcohol and drugs and like sex and distractions and work. And then there's a manager that's like, I'm going to keep everything under control. I am going to maintain control. I'm going to do my work and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like bring this up with anyone. So like, these are the parts that you need to identify and in yourself, especially if you're hurting and it's really helpful to actually like understand this model because, you know, it's important that you talk to your friends sort of like, like if you think about a person who's really hurting, oftentimes there's kind of two reactions, 
right? So the nervous system has two ways to react typically to, to pain. One is to, 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 to become numb and, and to like sort of, um, to try to like close off, close down, become more isolated, more depressed, turn off, retreat. And one is to become hyperreactive, anxious, angry, overreactive, right? And these are responses to pain that is baked into the nervous system of all mammals. And so if a person is isolating, they need to be gently spoken to and say, Hey, like, let's go call them up. Be like, Hey, I haven't heard of you for no, I haven't heard from you in a while. Like, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, where are you at? Do you need someone to talk to? Do you need someone? Do you need, do you need someone to be there for you? And then the other person who's like overreacting and overreacting and like really struggling and like, just like all over the place. You need to look at that person. Like they're thinking about like an animal who has a hurt limb and you try to touch it and they like try to bite you. It's like, you got to be very gentle with these people. Very, very, very gentle. Like, Hey, I noticed that you might be hurting right now. Like, are you okay? Like, do you need anything? Like, do you want to have coffee? Do you want to just sit and like, just discuss kind of like the same approach is like, these people need gentleness and kindness and they need to feel supported. A lot of times when you're really hurting, that will really show you who your true friends are. And to me, the most important thing is to try to show up and be the kind of friend that you would want to be like that you would want yourself. So I've had multiple friends that have come to me suicidal and so important that you do not give up on these people. Like if someone says they're suicidal, they need help and they need you to help them. And so it's like key that you like regularly check on these people because they are fragile. And a lot of people won't tell you that they're suicidal. It's actually important for you. If you see someone who's really depressed, it's really important to say, Hey, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Like, do you want to share? Do you want to like talk about it? Like, have you ever thought about maybe, maybe hurting yourself and like maybe killing yourself? Like, have you ever thought about this? Most people will never ask that question because they're too afraid of what the answer is. And honestly, like the other, the other kind of person who's like really overreactive and really struggling with anger or reactivity, you know, one of the things you can ask them is like, Hey, what's your internal dialogue? Like, you know, what's really going on inside? Are you, do you ever find yourself really talking like to yourself in a really mean way? Do you ever find yourself that you're too hard on yourself? And that will wake them up. Cause not everyone realizes that some people have a really positive internal dialogue and they're just like really nice to themselves all the time. And a lot of people have a really negative internal dialogue and they're really mean to themselves all the time. And those people need to be kind of addressed as like, Hey, let's like, let's talk about how you're really behaving towards yourself because that's typically how you're behaving to others. And so when I really started studying, Mm. you know, this, I was basically trying to have like a meta look at psychology and physiology and stress reactions. And I was like, Whoa, humans really behave in like three ways, like balanced, overreactive or underreactive. And it's like, you know, and, um, and it's just really interesting to look at it that simply because now you can look at your friends and be like, okay, this person is definitely shut off. Like one of my friends, um, literally broke up with someone moved to another city. And I reached out because I was like, Hey, I was like, where'd you go? What happened? Where are you? I haven't heard from you in a while. And he's, you know, what he said to me was, he's like, you know, it's funny. Like I can only count on two hands, the number of people who actually reached out to me who, who like knew what was going on with me. And mm-hmm. it's like, it really shows you who your true friends are. And realistically, we all need to really work on our friendships. We really need to work on our relationships with ourselves, with our partners, with our friends, with our family, 
so many people get injured, socially injured through, you know, rough family relationships, difficult fights with people. And they don't try to repair. They don't try to forgive. Like I had an entire session with therapists today, literally about forgiveness and letting go. And if you don't practice those things regularly, they will eat you alive. Resentment and pain and fear and anger will eat you alive. Hey, biohackers, did you know the use of silver actually has a long history and has been used by many ancient civilizations as a means to not only maintain health, but to preserve food and beverages? Before the mainstream discovery and acceptance of antibiotics in the early 1900s, silver was used in hospitals and is actually still used today. Silver has generally gotten a really bad reputation. Maybe you've heard the scary claims from the blue man that took too much silver. Well, quantity and especially quality really matter here. So most silver supplementation on the market is ionic silver, and it is unsafe for the body if used in high quantities. This is why we really love silver soul technology. It's not ionic, and it's a true colloidal silver, which is a nanoparticle coated by a silver oxide. What you really need to remember is that it's more effective, more efficient at lower parts per million. Silver Soul technology is 10 to 33 parts per million, where other companies have up to 3,000 parts per million. The takeaway, more is not better. Yeah, and Silver Biotics actually has a range of products, but we especially love their immune-specific line. The Silver Soul technology has a natural way of targeting invaders without the side effects. This uses multiple modes of action on how it actually targets invaders, and it uses the natural elements to kind of trick the body, so to speak, and then it kickstarts the immune system. Yes, I love these natural defenses. So it actually came to the rescue to me the other day. I was feeling a little run down and at the end of my luteal phase. So for my ladies, that is when we are the most vulnerable. So I took a few doses and a day later, I was feeling pretty brand new. I was just so grateful that I had this stuff on hand. And guess what? I'm still not blue. I can confirm that she is not blue (laughs) and either am I. And I've had a similar experience. It really kind of saved the day for me. And on top of the immune line, we have some other products from them that we love their skincare, like their healing skin cream, the anti-aging facial serum, and then their oral care. The whitening toothpaste is amazing. I call myself a toothpaste snob. I have tried all the natural ones and usually when they're really clean toothpaste, they don't work well, but this one is incredible. You know what? I think my teeth are turning blue. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's what the whitening toothpaste is for. Actually, I love the toothpaste too. We get sent a lot of different brands of toothpaste to try. And I have to say, never usually a fan, but this one is a clear winner in my book. I'm definitely going to continue it. And to wrap things up, they also have the wound care product and they have pet care products for all the animal lovers out there like Lauren and I. Meow. (laughs) surprised you didn't woof woof (laughs) so if you want to check out the products from silver biotics you can head over to silverbiotics.com and make sure you use discount code biohacker babes at checkout to save some money we will put the link to their website and the discount code in the show notes for today's episode all right let's get back to the show and so we have to learn to i mean this is why i built a company called adama bioscience literally about like what is the science of love how do we measure it how do we amplify it What are the paths to healing our sexuality, to healing our relationships with ourselves, to healing our relationships with our partners, to actually creating deeper social connections? Because this is the frontier. This is really the longevity, like determination, right? It's like, 
our quality and quantity of life is our connectivity. So is our energy flow good or is our energy flow not good? Like, are we feeling constant, constantly not feeling great with our relationships or are we feeling really centered and balanced and good and connected? If we can hack this stuff, we can all live a lot longer and a lot better. But this is the stuff I didn't get taught in medical school. This is the stuff I did not get taught in high school. I didn't, I didn't get to taught this anywhere. A lot of most of what I've learned in the last like couple of years around the role of love in health has been through my own discovery through research. The the thing I want to kind of like, I mean, I guess I should let you guys talk a little bit, but I could go on for hours literally <laughs> about the topic. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so cool. important. That's the ultimate priority, really. And it kind of pushes biohacking as we know it down the totem pole because if we are out of alignment with our relationships and love and yeah. interpersonalization that energy, that lack of flow or chi or spark factor, whatever you want to call it, gets stored somewhere in our body. And that comes out as dysfunction energetically, physically in our organ systems. That's how we, I mean, it's a part of metabolic dysfunction. Sure. We need to stop eating crap. We need to optimize our circadian rhythm, but maybe that is the number one thing that we need to look towards. I, I don't think I would have gotten to this point had I not worked on the body so much because there was a point where I was like, I was hitting plateaus with my patients and I was like, what am I missing? Mm. And it was because I wasn't looking at the thing fully holistically. I wasn't looking at their psychology and their spirituality enough. And I was like, when I really started, it was really the pandemic that I started really addressing this stuff because I was like working with, um, I was doing a little bit of sublingual ketamine assisted therapy with my clientele during the pandemic to really help people out of major ruts they were in. And I was like, I designed this like really long protocol all about healing, um, from, you know, depression, PTSD and anxiety and using this like ketamine assisted therapy protocol. And I realized that the vast majority of people who hit plateaus were people who had pre-existing injuries, social injuries, CPTSD from childhood trauma. And it was like relationship problems. And I was like, Whoa, this whole domain is deeply affecting all of the other things. And it's actually keeping them from really hitting the next level with their health. And I was yeah, like, you can oh. eat perfectly, but if you miss that step, Oh my God. And that's the thing about this stuff, right? Like there are so many different facets of mindfulness-based therapies for stress. And like, there's so much stuff about fitness. There's so much stuff about food, nutrition. I think we've really, we, we've hit, a, we've hit, a, we've like, we've hit on a lot of really solid tools in the toolbox for improving. When it comes to improving nutrition, start with whole foods, try balanced diet, try more Mediterranean, then try more vegan, and then try more paleo, and then try more more low carb and see where you feel best. And then know that you can kind of fluctuate those macronutrient ratios and know that like sometimes these diets don't work for you, right? It's really pretty easy to hack nutrition now. I find sleep, tons of great tools out there for sleep. If you're not sleeping well, you're just not educated because there's literally enough stuff out there to fix sleep. And then there's um there's great sleep coaches out there, great books on sleep. I would say the real next frontier is like really hacking stress and trauma and relationships and and connection. Like this is the next frontier of of health because it's yeah. it's the thing that we we actually have not integrated properly. You know, talk therapy to me just like it's not. I, I really think that some of the stuff that I've learned about therapy is like really getting into the deeper, deeper, deeper subconscious levels and getting the parts of ourselves that are not being felt out in the open and giving them the opportunity to be seen and then meeting them with love and compassion. 
And that's really cool. You know, it's like, that's, that's this real magic is like, love is healing. Fundamentally it heals, but how, and we're just starting to learn how, how this can heal. And a lot of it is through the self-healing mechanisms we have inside our bodies through the power of oxytocin and, and through the power of connection. Yeah. And I, I get think, a dog, <laughs> get a dog. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that this is a really big missing piece just in the nutrition world, because, you know, I see such a wide range of clients, like the people that are almost like orthorexic, right. They're counting yeah. every macro, every calorie, and I can't lose the weight and I'm, I'm tired and all this. And then the other end, it's like, I know what I need to eat, but I just can't get myself out of the kitchen. I can't stop eating those comfort yeah. foods. And it's like, yeah. you know what? So what is missing as far as the love yeah. and the connection? Are they looking for that in their refrigerator? Okay. So let me tell you, I've, I've worked on these two specific problems myself and with clients. Mm. So the first one is, is I'm doing everything you tell me to do and I'm not losing weight, right? Mm-hmm. That is that woman, that archetype, there's millions of them. And the reason yep. why you're not losing weight is because your body and your cells are in a danger zone. They're in the cell danger response. They're in the stress reactivity. They are not feeling safe. And so you will not let go of that weight because your body says, if I'm not safe, I have to have those calories to survive. I have to you hold on to You hear it in that tone. You hear that I'm doing everything. There's a holding. It's like energetically. It's so a obvious. holding. It's a resistance to flow. It's a resistance yeah. to energy flow. And like, look, I put on five pounds in the last three months. And since burning man, September, October, November, I guess two months. So I put on a couple, a couple of pounds and I had, um, I did have a couple infections. I did get a, I got COVID and a cold. Um, so obviously I've been a little bit stressed and I got COVID at burning man. So it was my fault, you know, and I got, and I got a cold in a, in a music festival. So like maybe it was being around crowds, but suffice to say, I know now that my body is put on those pounds because it's trying to protect me and keep me safe. And so I look at my body in the mirror and I'm like, oh, honey, you're just trying to protect yourself. You're just trying to stay safe. You're just trying to like feel, feel okay and feel like you're not going to you know, be in danger and you're just holding on to the calories. And it's like, I look at that and then I meet that, that feeling of self-criticism with love. It's like, oh my God, you look great. You look beautiful. You look wonderful. You know that you feel, you know that men like you more when you're curvy anyway. Like I tell myself <laughs> these things in the mirror because I, because myself once that lean, fit, strong, like abdominal definition Molly. And my, part of me is like, I'm launching a book. I need to look the part. And then part of me is like, you literally look awesome. You have to just love yourself in whatever shape you're in. And when the moment I flip that switch of, I need to be, I need to lose this weight to like, I need to love myself right now as I'm, as I, that will help me heal. That was like major, major shift. I just stopped. I just stopped being hard on myself. And then I started to asking myself in the morning, what, what kind of exercise is going to make you feel the best today? What's going to make you feel the best today? And you know what? Lately it's been riding my bike and I went, I went and I rode my bike and it was a little rainy out and it was the most wonderful bike ride. And I felt such flow state, flow state the last few days of riding my bike. And it just felt so easy and I was like, that's what I need right now is I need exercise that feels like flow feels easy. Yep. On the other hand, this whole, I can't get out of the kitchen. I can't get out of the bathroom. I just can't stop snacking. I just can't. I just need that. I need that food. I need it. That anxious part of you needs to be told that no amount of food is going to make your anxiety go away. No amount of food is going to heal that emotional response. 
no amount of food is going to make you feel better. You think it's going to make you feel better, but you, you have to constantly ask yourself. And this is also for the women out there that are anorexic or bulimic or, or orthorexic. No amount of control is going to fix your emotional pain. So when you realize that this, this thing you think is a control of your reality is somehow going to help you when you really start tracking your symptoms and you start tracking how you feel and you start tracking, okay, I feel really, really, really tense. I need to go in the kitchen and get food. I go and eat it. Ask yourself, how do I feel after this? Okay. I'm feeling really stressed. I need to go get food and you binge. All right. How do you feel after this? All right. For those bulimics out there, you're feeling really stressed. You go on a major binge and you go throw up. How do you feel now? Okay. Those women who are anorexic and I can't eat that. I can't have that. How do you feel now? And like women are not doing these cycles, cyclical, what do, what is this going to make me feel like, am I going to feel better or worse? And then you start taking this, this sort of flipped switch in your brain where you're like, oh, okay. So what happens if I sit with this feeling and I really, really, really sit with how much I hurt right now. And I ask myself, what do I need right now? And you tell yourself, honey, I'm so here for you. Like, I know you're hurting, but I love you. And I'm here for you. You have these sort of sessions with yourself where, and you're also EFT is really great. And these sessions, just like tapping really, really just getting into your body. Sometimes even just tickling your arm, but really touching yourself, like holding and hugging yourself, giving yourself that sense, like when your hands in your heart, really meeting that pain with love. So fundamental to like changing these habits and these patterns because these are maladaptive patterns that we continuously do because we think that they're going to make us feel better. But if you really track the way you feel after these behaviors, you don't feel better. You feel worse. Yeah. yeah I think coming down into the somatic experience is so important yes. because we've been taught to just figure everything out with our head and like yes, physical vessel. And I think women especially haven't been given the permission to consider how we feel. I think men yes. as well. But that check-in, I think, is so valuable. And I think that actually would offset the questions. What am I supposed to be doing? What's best for me? Searching for answers outside of ourselves when we're so resourceful. I I think of the people, this is such a pet peeve of mine, when people ask a question that they could Google themselves. I'm like, you have the answers within you. And you also have- Oh, it drives me crazy. I get so mad for yourself. So why are you searching outside? Like, just take a moment, check in. How do you feel? Yeah. Trust that like the answer could potentially come up within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is really the thing at the end of the day that I think women, women are so hard on themselves and we have such high standards. And I think biohackers are even particularly hard on themselves because they have such high standards, right? We know what optimal feels like. And if we don't feel optimal, we're like, come on, like you can do better than this. Fuck up. (laughs) Listen to that internal voice, right? Like really listen. And I actually would highly recommend anybody out there who's struggling right now Kristen Neff has a great website on self-compassion. She has a self-compassion questionnaire that you can fill out. I did this yesterday for the first time and I got like moderate self-compassion and it was so helpful just to read the questions, just to read the questions and be like, oh my God, no, I I don't do that all the time. I'm not like that all the time. If If I make a mistake, I'm really hard on myself. And it was really, really helpful for me to realize that, I mean, what, what self-compassion really is, is self-love. But what we don't realize is that we have agency, like we can change these habits and behaviors, but it takes awareness and it takes real practice. Like this is a lifelong journey of, of like learning how to 
be human, you know, learning how to feel ourselves. And like, I'm a thinker, not a feeler. It's taken me years to learn how to feel my feelings. And I now know how to feel what it feels like to feel, you know, like anxious or upset or stressed. And I still have to practice getting into my body and getting into this. Like, what am I feeling right now? Okay. How big is it? Okay. What can I do to meet this feeling with as much love and compassion as possible? It's a real practice and you have to constantly return back to it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm actually going to Costa Rica in a week and, um, I had to fill out this long questionnaire for the retreat. And one of the questions was, how do you make decisions? Is it what makes sense? Is it how you feel like your gut feeling? You know, there were multiple options and they just like, I had to really sit there and think, and I'm like, oh, I am a logical person. I am the one that makes the decision based off of, does it make sense? Not so much the feeling. So it's all part of the journey. There's entrepreneurs, scientific mind, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So always looking for new things to learn. Well, Mm. Dr. Molly, thank you so much for all of this. We have, gosh, we barely scratched the surface on the amazingness in your book and more on the mitochondria. So I will say for everyone listening, please go order her book, um, pre-order because it'll be out, I think like a week after this comes out, but you can go ahead and pre-order that for a deeper dive because there's just so much great information in there. I would say that I would highly recommend pre-ordering it because the pre-ordered, you know, opportunities are vast. So there's discounts on the sugar monitor I use, Hanu Health levels. I'm trying to think other ship, the breathwork app that I use. So there's like, and then I'm also giving um, a massive discount on my online course that I have on health span extension. That's really tailored to both men and women. Um, it's this massive Stanford course that I taught for a few years there. The book was largely based on it, but it goes into much more detail. So lots of really cool discounts, lots of giveaways, my, my top labs that I use, um, my stress questionnaires that I use, and as well as my HPA access dysfunction protocol. So lots of good stuff in the presale. And then, yeah, I'd love to do uh, you know further content with you guys. Love to do maybe an Instagram live. It'd be great. Yes. Yeah. I love this whole conversation. And I know we just went on so many tangents, but it's just so beautiful and magical. And I would love for our audience to learn more about mitochondria and your approach to biohacking, because I think using the tech and then tapping into the intuition, there's just so much there. So thank you for uh, going on a journey, not so scientific today, even though you have (laughs) so much to share in that regard. Uh, Before we wrap up, we'd love to ask for one final piece of advice, something that our audience can start doing today, maybe to find their spark factor or something totally unrelated that's inspiring you today. I mean, we're heading into the holiday season and we're heading into like, you know, time with family and friends. And I would just say like, really be present with those that you love, really give them the best gift you can give anyone this Christmas and or Hanukkah and or Kwanzaa is the gift of your presence. And that means like your undivided attention, your ability to listen, your ability to turn your phone off and just look people in the eye and just listen to them. That is such an incredible gift that you can get for free and it's just available at any time. So think about giving that to those you love. Couldn't love agree more. That. Put, that. put the phone away. Yeah. yeah such a distraction. Wonderful. Totally. Well, thank you for that beautiful advice and everything else you shared with us today. We're so thank happy to so chat much. with you. Yeah, cool. this is so fun. Looking forward to chatting again. Have and a great day, guys. To everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. 
This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.